The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. What's up, what's up? Shout out to all you and the posse. I'm Jared, and here on this program, we are so done with the status quo in healthcare marketing. We are no longer just pretty thing producers. We are growth engineers and the voice of the consumer helping design the integrated digital experience that consumers demand in healthcare. We call it marketing forward. If that sounds like you, then this is the place for you. So here's what's going to go down today. We'll kick things off with the flavor of the week about hope during the COVID-19 outbreak. Then we'll welcome Moshe Engelberg to discuss how to uplift business by putting love to work. Then hang with us for What's the 411 featuring Alan Shoebridge. Let's go. Flavor of the week. I often mention the need for us to provide hope to those to whom we're marketing. But right now I want to offer some hope to you in the face of a lot of uncertainty. COVID-19 is hitting you from all sides right now, isn't it? Not only are you having to size it up for yourself and your family like everyone else, but you have the added dimension of also having to do so on behalf of the healthcare organizations where you work. So for many of you, that's only compounding the problem, right? I hear you're being buried and barely able to come up for air. To compound it further, many of the places we go to escape and connect have been canceled until further notice. From professional conferences, to sporting events, to the happiest place on earth for crying out loud, all the way down to my local church services. This is seriously messing with my mojo, man. The NBA season, the NHL season, Major League Baseball, spring training, and opening day, the NCAA tournament, all canceled or postponed, right? It gives all new meaning to the phrase March Madness, doesn't it? As we're navigating these unprecedented waters together, we can do a couple of things to help ourselves and our fellow humans. First, reassure yourself. You might be deep in the trenches doing all you can to help your organizations to be the credible source of accurate, helpful information about the outbreak. I imagine lots of you are in that situation. There's not a time in recent memory where healthcare's credibility matters as much as it does right now. So be reassured that all the efforts you're putting into it are valuable and helpful. Then make a little more time each day for self-care. Second, show empathy. Let's be the ones who keep our humanity, even when we're dealing with the crazies. I heard a report at my local grocery store, no joke, that shoppers were ramming one another's carts in the aisles. That doesn't have to be us. We don't have to lose our minds. Let's be humans first. Third, stay connected with our virtual communities, the healthcare marketing and HITMIC communities. Reconnect with someone you had planned to see at a conference. Go live on LinkedIn or Facebook and tell us how real it's been for you. However you do it, Don't go through it alone. Your community is seriously here for you. This is a test of our industry's street cred and our own resilience. Let's prepare instead of panic. Let's do all we can to stay rational and not let the hype get to us. 
Take care of yourselves and let's be here for each other and for our fellow human beings. We work in healthcare. We got this. And that's the flavor of the week. All right. Well, it's time to spread the awesome again. This week, I've got our guest, Moshe Engelberg. He's the author of The Amare Wave, Uplifting Business by Putting Love to Work. If you think this isn't going to be an exciting conversation, I think you're, you're in for a great surprise because we've got some really cool stuff to talk about related to the book and just related to this theme in general about how to change our work environments. And uh, Moshe is also the founder and CEO of ResearchWorks, a strategic business innovation and marketing firm. Welcome. How are you doing today? Great. Great. Good to be with you, Jared. Yes. How are things uh, these days? It sounds like things are just uh, crazy busy. You got some really fun things going on and, and the book has been out now for a little while. Yeah. Life is good. Much to be grateful for. The book came out in November. So yeah, a few months. That's long enough, uh, I imagine, for you to have had some some pretty interesting feedback or or people, you know, giving you some thoughts on uh, after they've read it and had a chance to digest it a little bit. Let's give our listener. We're, we're going to dive into that on in our wrap battle because it's a fascinating concept to begin with. So many vendors, so little time. Expecting me to know them all is practically a crime, but it's what my job's about. Yeah. It makes me want to shout. Yeah. I need some help deciding who to use without a doubt. Something everyone wants. Like a secret decoder. Something everyone needs. Like your own baby Yoda. Help me to choose. I can't afford to lose. Isn't there a website that I really ought to use? Martech.health. Martech.health. Do yourself a favor, check it out for yourself. Need to find a vendor? This is the way. Martech.health. Who you gonna pick today? Martech.health is the vendor directory built specifically for healthcare marketing, communications, and digital professionals. People like you. Founded and run by the OG himself, Healthcare Internet Hall of Famer, Ed Bennett. It's designed to make your next vendor selection process less painful. And here's why. Over 600 vendors across 40 industry categories, verified vendor reviews and ratings from your peers, a resource library of articles, videos, and events, plus an anonymous messaging tool to get your vendor questions answered without worrying about endless callbacks. All of this is free to use and share. Check it out at martech.health. There's a lot of relevance in our field because we have a lot of folks out there in healthcare, especially in healthcare marketing, who are, I think really could use this. They're feeling burnt out. They're just feeling like they have all these expectations placed on them and they don't know what to do about it. And so uh, perfect timing for us to kind of get together and chat a little bit about what to do about that. But first and foremost, let's give listeners a little bit more about yourself. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Moshe and, and uh, you know what's going on in your life. Sure, sure. Happy to. For me and throughout my career, frustration was the driving force, seeing things that aren't working that should be working and looking to how business functions, especially in healthcare, that's where my career focus has been for the last almost three decades. And, and seeing from marketing perspective, for example, I remember a McDonald's ad and it would bring a tear to my eye. And I'm thinking, why can McDonald's do that over a hamburger? And we can't do that when we're trying to market something as significant as healthcare, something that's actually life and death. And that led me to move on and study more and ask questions. I ended up get my doctorate in Stanford in health communications, studied marketing there a lot, and had the incredible privilege of being with some brilliant minds and learning how to rigorously approach research, marketing, and so on. And over the years, I've seen these patterns emerge that finally culminated in me writing this book. And it felt, Jared, like a calling, like 
I got to do this. And on good days, the book wrote me. <laughs> it wasn't me writing. It was whatever coming through. And fundamentally, the realization I had that business is missing love. And that showed up nowhere more strongly or more paradoxically than in healthcare. If any business should embrace the idea of love, it's healthcare. It's just inherent to the field. So that led me to where I am now. It's been a good career. And as, as this book is being received by the world, I'm getting some really positive reactions. And one I'll point out in particular, and, and I noted this when I was doing lots and lots of interviews as I was developing my ideas and starting to write. And it was from kind of traditionally oriented, perhaps conservative, middle-aged, mostly men, CEOs or people in the C-suite. And I thought I'd get some kind of folded arms and yeah, whatever, go back to California and hug a tree. What are you talking about, love and business? Come on. It's a dog-eat-dog world. We're here to make money, period. End of conversation. And I didn't get that. I didn't get that at all. And, and I'm getting the same reaction now as the book is out, where this idea of love and business, and by love, I mean simply energy that uplifts and connects. That's how I define love. And instead, the reaction is, it's like, touching something deep inside people. Like you mentioned, there's a lot of people who are unhappy at work looking for meaning and so on. So I'm talking to the senior executives and something profound happens where emotionally they feel it and it connects somehow. It surprised me initially, but that's been the dominant reaction by far. It's kind of like a drop of water to someone who's parched of thirst in the desert. So we desperately need this and our time's Regardless of political affiliation, I think most would agree our times are calling for it. We need more togetherness, more inclusiveness, and more meaning in our work. Absolutely. So let's dive into that. This is the topic and source of our rap battle today. Rap battle! Rap battle is where we just do battle against the status quo. We say, look, like, that's enough. <laughs> we got to change the way healthcare is being marketed and connected and experienced. And I find this part fascinating that that really connects a lot with the theme of the book. So amare, first and foremost, uh, means uh, love in Latin, right? Yes. You talk about how, at least theme-wise, that more and more companies are joining this wave. They're recognizing that they can actually outperform other companies that are stuck in this, this kind of warlike paradigm that you were just talking about. Tell us more about that. Well, it turns out that companies that embrace these ideas do much better even financially. And some of the research I drew on was from working with the clients I have for many years. Others was, for example, published in a book called Firms of Endearment by Raj Sisodia and company, who showed over many years, over 10 years, an 8x return compared to the S&P basically over a thousand percent versus basically 120 plus percent. And in my book, I present evidence of well-known large organizations like Costco dramatically outperforming other similar warehouse-like enterprises, Trader Joe's selling four to six more per, per square foot than other grocery stores, Patagonia, the list goes on and on. And we've all had the experience of saying, I love this organization. So many of us do it with sports teams. I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. I love the Golden State Warriors. And many of us do it too with companies. So I'd say, for example, I love Trader Joe's. 
And when I'm there, I feel uplifted and a sense of connection. Again, that harkens back to my definition. Love is energy that uplifts and connects. So there's substantial evidence that companies perform better financially, and not just that, but also in terms of engagement. And we know employee engagement, there's been a lot of attention on that through Gallup reports and others that that engagement is not so good. More than half the workforce is disengaged and about a third actively disengaged. That's that's a tough pill to swallow. So when there's love at work, this uplifting, connecting energy, employees stay longer, they're happier, customers customers become ambassadors, and all the stakeholders in the chain are involved, happy, and committed. Powerful, powerful results. Yeah, indeed. Can you think of, is there one example or one chapter or concept in the book that really stuck out in terms of something that has resonated, that is working, and it's a way that businesses can kind of put this to work right away? What I recommend as a starting point is a simple question. It's for teams to get together and ask themselves, do we love our customers? And have conversation around that. And for companies that do, the answer is an immediate yes. There's no waffling. It's, yeah, we do. We're in it for that reason. And we do love our customers. We're not ashamed to say so. Then the second question is, do they love us? And if you don't know the answer, that's where research comes in. You go find out. That's a really powerful starting point. So what happens when businesses just ignore this completely? You said you you kind of anticipated some adverse reactions. I think you described it as yeah, the executive with their arms folded or just, you know, saying get lost, you know, or things like that, which, <laughs> which made me laugh. Tell me about those kinds of reactions. Tell me about what about those who just say this doesn't make any sense, this doesn't impact our bottom line. You mentioned there's some research that you had done to even get to the point where, where you could put these concepts together. What's that based on? What kind of research is that based on? Two points. The first one is, what about companies who don't subscribe to this, who say, yeah, this doesn't apply, or I don't believe it, or who cares? And the truth is, companies don't have to do this to be financially successful. There's a plethora of organizations. In fact, it's the dominant paradigm to not do this. And in fact, to be in more what I consider a warlike paradigm. Let's crush the competition. Let's capture market share. It's rather predatory if you think about it. And that's how we're raised in business. Business is war. My contention is business is not war. War is war. Business is business. And the fundamental reason business exists is not to make money. It is to make people's lives better. And that's true nowhere more than in healthcare. It's nowhere more obvious than in healthcare. Improve people's lives. That's why business exists and thereby provide value to society. Making money is important, critically important. There's a famous quote, no margin, no mission. And that's totally true. But money, making money is a byproduct and a very healthy and again, essential byproduct. So companies don't have to do this to make money, but those that do have happier people, more loyal employees, and often make more money. So that was the first point. The second one is the research cited. Some is from my own experience over three decades, and some is from, I mentioned, firms of endearment. There's also research from similar ideas like servant leadership, conscious capitalism, teal organizations, and so on. There's lots of names for this idea of what I call Amari and the Amari way of putting love to work. And fundamentally, 
while I want organizations to say, we're an Amare company, we're in this, we're growing the wave, it really doesn't matter what people call it. It doesn't matter if they use the word love at work. I never want that to hang people up. That's one reason we use the word Amare, so people could use adopt that terminology if they prefer it. We converge research findings from all these different sources, and they point to the same thing. These principles, whatever under whatever label, they work, and business does better. I need a dime, I ain't faking a buck. You crank out content, but it's getting stale. It might be nutritious, but it tastes like kale. You're down with finding a way to up your marketing game. Yeah, but when you look for help, everyone seems lame. We're Ultera Digital. Google us and see. We're spelled like ultra with an extra E. We'll help you market forward. Google us and look. We're Ultera Digital. It's off the hook. Hey, guys, this is Jared. Ultera Digital is just another name for our consulting team that helps you when your content, your strategy, or your brand is getting stale. You know, like that chocolate glazed donut that was a little piece of heaven in the morning, but when you left it on your desk until 4.13 in the afternoon and you went to finish it off, by then, mm, not so heavenly, was it? By now, you know our philosophy that content is the future, but only when it engages audiences and it isn't a snooze fest. And you've heard how we roll. The healthcare rap, what you're listening to right now is Exhibit A. We don't do boring. So if your content, your special event, or your strategy is getting stale, let us help you give it that spark, that rhythm, that new life you're looking for. Ultera Digital, marketing forward. Okay, now back to the podcast, right? Because it's pretty legit. In the book, you address a question about how can anyone possibly be more successful when they don't focus solely on results, which, as you can imagine, I'm sure you, you put it that way, to stir up a reaction because it does almost seem a little counterintuitive in in modern day business. And yet that's exactly where you're going with this. Tell us about that. How, How does that make sense and how does it work? Right, right. I'm glad you asked about that. That is one of the most challenging ideas in the book. And I've been challenged to practice it for over a decade. It's really hard. It's really hard. And I draw on an ancient Indian text called the Bhagavad Gita, and that's a story between a, a warrior, Arjuna, and his chariot driver, who turns out to be the deity Krishna, although Arjuna doesn't know it at the time. And Arjuna's ready to embark in a battle he doesn't want to be in, but the real battle is going on in his mind. And the advice he gets fundamentally, and this is, goes back more than 2,000 years, is all you can do is do the work. That's all you can do. And... The results are what the results are. I was talking to Marshall Goldsmith the other day at his house. He's a well-known leadership educator, wrote tons of books, many New York Times bestsellers. And uh, the example he used when we were discussing this was, imagine you're a golfer. When you're ready to hit the ball, your focus needs to be on that stroke. If you're thinking about Am I going to win this tournament? If you're thinking about, I screwed up the last shot, it messes with your concentration. You can't do your best work. So fundamentally, when you focus on results, it takes you out of the doing, out of the moment. And we've all had the experience of some called being in the zone or the flow. It's when something seems effortless, time just disappears. And our really our best work, sometimes really profound work, comes through and the results follow. But the idea is we focus on the doing, on the effort and recognize 
the results will be what they are. We do our best, but we're not going to be grasping and stuck on, we have to get that, we have to get that. Because in truth, there's so many factors that affect the results that are beyond our control. And if we trick ourselves into saying, it's all me, it's all me, that's not the truth. That doesn't work. So we have the influence we have. And again, try not to get attached. And the difference, and this is what yogis and others who tried to figure this out over millennia have come up with it, that there's really two kinds of desire. One desire is what I referred to earlier as this grasping. It's like a And as I think of it, I'm kind of tightening my butt. I need to have that. And we've all had that experience. I got to have that money. I got to have that result. I got to have this. And the problem is my self-worth is tied into it, how I define myself. And then that only result is good till the next project comes up and I need to have that one and so on. So that kind of grasping, that tightening doesn't work well. The other kind of desire that does work is aspirational. I want that to happen. I'll do my best to achieve that aim, whether it be mind share, market share, or something else. And we'll hope for the, we'll do our best work. That's all we can really do. And what happens, happens. That's the idea of being unattached to outcomes. And it's tough to practice, but it is so powerful. It really is. So if you kind of had to just sum this up with one concept, what message would you give for healthcare marketers out there related to what you've learned in the book? What's one thing you would tell them about it? I would say I would tell healthcare marketers, and I was one for many years, to choose love over fear and recognize that a lot of our work is fear-motivated. And if we choose love, and again, energy that uplifts and connects, it brings out our best work. It helps portray marketing not as simply a transactional process to get more people to sign on to increase or decrease utilization, depending on what kind of healthcare system you're working on. But it's ultimately to provide connection with people, inspire them, and uplift them. And that creates loyalty like nothing else. Well, I love that thought personally because we talk so much about loyalty, about brand, and reputation and all these things need to create some relevance and trust. And yet so often we don't even create that within our own organizations. And so what a way to, to really drive that home for healthcare marketers. Thank you for that. So I want to make sure I give you a chance to, to tell us how to order a copy of the book. If a listener wants to pick up a copy, where's the best place for them to do that? It's in the usual places, online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and so on. That's probably the, the easiest Any problem or if anyone wants to continue the conversation, to me, this is really about growing this wave of organizations that have the courage to do this and creating teams of ambassadors and early adopters and so on who believe in this and want to push it forward and want support to do that. So I encourage them to get in touch with me directly. And that can be through email, Moshe, M-O-S-H-E, at ResearchWorks. That's one word, Moshe at researchworks.com or through LinkedIn or the usual social media channels. Well, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for giving us just the start of this wave. I have a feeling this wave is going to grow and it really is. There's so much to it and there's so much we can learn from it. So thank you so much for your time. A pleasure. Thank you for what you do, Jared, to support healthcare marketing and challenge the status quo and make things better all the way around. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. He is Moshe Engelberg. He is the author of The Amare Wave. Check it out where he just showed, where he just gave us places to pick that up.
What's the 411? Hi, this is John Marzano, and this is the 411 for healthcare marketers. With new tech tools available to support healthcare marketers and their influence on building a better consumer experience, it remains unclear why so many traditional providers struggle to move past old tactics. What is clear, however, is that current marketing strategy largely remains focused on the prowess of healthcare organizations. Things like best, largest, first and only, and not the patient as a consumer of needed services. A seismic shift is necessary and fast. An excerpt from a recent Redpoint Global survey says it all. Quote, a majority of consumers, 71%, still report facing major frustrations throughout their experience including long wait times and personal visits, a confusing process, and trouble when scheduling an appointment, end quote. For healthcare marketers, it's time to be the advocates. It's time to be the change agents in your C-suite. It's about access. It's about convenience. It's about personalized experiences for consumers and price transparency. That's your charge. That's your challenge. And that's the 411 for healthcare marketers. I want to thank Moshe for joining the podcast this week. Special thanks to all of you for tuning in. Don't forget to join the posse. Listen, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. Healthcare Wrap is an Altera Digital production and a member of the Shift.Health Network. So on behalf of Moshe and myself, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap. Thanks.